Life Audio. You're listening to Therapy and Theology, and I'm your host, Carly Merclear. This podcast is a space where we explore popular topics and questions related to the convergence of faith, feelings, spiritual formation, and more. My prayer is that through these conversations, we will grow in our awareness of who we are as beloved children of God, learn to acknowledge our needs and emotions with curiosity and compassion, and rediscover the purpose and power of our unique stories through the lens of the gospel. As a licensed therapist and ministry leader, I want to give voice to the many questions we face while cultivating a clearer view of how our faith informs our healing journey. I don't have all the answers, but I am committed to going deeper and walking together. So whether you've been to therapy or know exactly what you believe when it comes to theology, I want to invite you to join this journey as we fearlessly name the complexities of our present reality and press into the hope of the gospel story. So are you ready? Let's jump into today's question and begin this journey together. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whenever you guys are listening to this, welcome back to Therapy and Theology. If I haven't met you yet, I'm so grateful that you're here. And I hope that this can feel like we're just sitting across the table from each other, having a coffee and chatting together about some really important things. And so today I want to talk about four ways therapy supports our spiritual growth. And this is one of my favorite topics because I think oftentimes we can separate therapy as being really focused on some emotional dysregulation versus our spiritual formation being, you know, all about the Lord. And what we miss is there's such a connection here, right? And so building off of last week's episode, I think it's really important to be able to see ourselves as being made in the image of God in this complexity. We can see how our emotional well-being is intrinsically connected to her spiritual well-being and vice versa. You know, I've received so many emails whenever I write about emotional health and God's response or biblical application that it is sometimes surprising to people that scripture talks about this or that God cares about our emotions. And it, it saddens me to hear how many of us have experienced, maybe from our Christian upbringing or from other areas of our lives, that that emotional health has been avoided or dismissed as a part of who we are. And 
And the connection there of how we engage and see God because of our emotions is completely negated often. And so Pete Scazzaro, I talk about him very frequently. He's the author of Emotional Healthy Spirituality. He notes that spiritual maturity and emotional maturity are inseparable. And the dangers of avoiding our story and disconnecting from ourselves as emotional beings has an impact on us spiritually. So how does addressing our emotional health in therapy cultivate growth in our relationship with Christ? You know, this is such a large topic, and there are so many books written about it that I will link in the show notes for continued reading. But today, I just want to give sort of an introduction to how I see and have experienced therapy and its support in my own spiritual formation and the spiritual formation of my clients and even friends. So let's jump right in. Number one, therapy increases self-awareness. This is also maybe understood as introspection. So I don't want us to get lost. Whenever we throw the word self into something, people immediately are stressed out because, you know, we're not supposed to think of ourselves or that's self-focused. But what I want to encourage here is that self-awareness is not self-centeredness, two very different things. Introspection is the ability to look within ourselves and name the thoughts and feelings we experience This is vital to both our sense of self and our ability to form and maintain relationships with God and with others. So in therapy, I do a lot of work with my clients on exploring their emotions, their values, and their motivations. You know, sometimes we don't know why we do what we do, right? (laughs) And that sometimes can be frustrating. We can have a lot of negative beliefs about ourselves. And when we sit down and kind of process through with a therapist what's happening and why we do things We make some incredible connections that help us understand the function of our behaviors, the desire underneath our emotional responses to things, and we're able to come back to ourselves and even to God with a new perspective. So as we experience our stories and the things that we have encountered or even believed, we're able to identify what is true. And then align faulty thinking patterns or distressing emotions with truth and reason. This is uncharted territory, though, for many of us. And yet, as we learn about ourselves, we're able to see more clearly the way we view ourselves and the way God views us. A question I often ask my clients is, what are three words that you would use to describe God? Now, I ask this as a way to kind of see what their perspective is on God, but I also followed up with what are three words you think God would use to describe you? You see, C.S. Lewis, A.W. Tozer, even John Calvin all debated the importance of these perceptions, but I think truly they're inseparable from one another. So how we view ourselves and understand ourselves tells us a lot about our view of who God is. And likewise, our view of God impacts the way we view ourselves. Scripture talks about our ability to turn inward, to reflect on our intentions and motivations and bring them to God. I think of the passage in Psalms where it talks about searching me and knowing me, being able to process through what is the motivation and intentions of my heart, O Lord. You know, the Apostle Paul also talks about this in the New Testament in Ephesians 4. He says to put off the old self and put on the new, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. But how are we to ever do this unless we examine ourselves and become more aware of the thoughts and feelings and desires? Lack of self-awareness leads to unhealthy sense of self, disconnection from our human experiences, people-pleasing, spiritual bypassing, and a lack of empathy in our relationships with others. We 
We cannot give what we do not have. And so thinking about this, if we're having a hard time connecting with the feelings and experience of others, oftentimes it's because maybe we haven't connected with our own experiences, feelings, and desires. So when we develop a healthy sense of self-awareness, it promotes a healthy sense of self, a connection, and a differentiation between our beliefs and feelings and others. It allows us to have freedom in relationships. And I would also say it provides us with a place to meet with God in a different way, to have a genuine relationship and acknowledge the way God has created us individually and uniquely for his glory. So self-awareness promotes the spiritual practice in a lot of ways of solitude and silence, of reflection and introspection. And this is not just contained in the therapy space, right? As we practice this in therapy, it becomes a rhythm for us. And I, I encourage my clients often to take two minutes of silence and stillness at the beginning or end of their day to check in with themselves, to be present with themselves, because what is going on internally needs to be attended to. So in addition to self-awareness, therapy also helps us acknowledge our needs and limitations. I don't know about you, if you've ever been to therapy, it is a big step, right, to call a therapist. In in itself, we're acknowledging I need help. You know, I need someone outside of my own brain to talk through this. I need someone other than my family members to tell me that I'm not crazy. Um, I need something that I can't give myself. And that is hard work. If you're anything like me, therapy is the process and the practice of continually being vulnerable and practicing humility. And we all feel this way in some context, right? I mean, I know that I felt too much for people or too needy. And what this place does, though, for us is it allows us to grasp a deeper understanding of who God is to us and how he comes to meet our needs. Whether we are struggling with sin or striving within our own strength, the message of the gospel reveals our tendency to lean towards self-sufficiency. One of the passages I use frequently when talking about needs is Matthew 11. Now, in our society, I think we overvalue independence and self-reliance and forget the reality of our limitedness as humans. But Jesus meets the needs of those who ask him, right? He says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. There has to be an awareness, number one, of our needs, and then a willingness to acknowledge those needs and bring them to him. And this is hard work, right? It takes both healthy awareness of who we are and a working of the Holy Spirit to admit our needs, name our limits, and surrender our self-sufficiency to God. You know, recently I was studying through Matthew 14, and this is the feeding of the 5,000. And I just find it funny how Jesus knowing that the disciples did not have enough food for the crowds, instructed them to not send the people away. And in this account, we see the disciples kind of freak out, but I often align with the disciples, you know, feeling the weight of my insufficiency and my inability to make grand things happen in my own strength. I have the tendency to want to step back from the task God has called me to. And yet I begin to see in this narrative a beautiful picture of how God wants us to view our insufficiencies not as failures in our spiritual life, but as opportunities to bring our need to him and ask him to move beyond our human ability, skill, 
talent, etc. Jesus is never asking us to do impossible things for him, but expect great things from him. And therapy helps us see our needs and learn the skills to attend to them in healthier ways, rather than resorting to shame, blame, self-denial, perfectionism. This vastly impacts, right, our spiritual growth because it places us in a posture of dependence and freedom. And this changes the narrative. It shifts it and it magnifies our need to access and refill our hearts with the spirit. I think this is why Paul spoke of the shift in 2 Corinthians when he said, we are not sufficient in ourselves to claim anything that is coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God. And how he was able to boast also in his weakness, knowing that God would show up and show off regardless of his inability. This is both freedom and foundational to our spiritual formation. As we take the focus off of our ability to measure up or to be what we feel like we need to be and reorient our perspectives on the expectation for God to work in and through us. Therapy helps us do this, right? Through learning to come openly with an awareness of our needs, it produces a life of prayer and it cultivates in us a desire to come to the Lord and ask daily, desperately for him to work in us and produce in us what we cannot produce ourselves. And this is not in a shameful way, but in a a beautiful way to be able to recognize, hey, it's not about me. I can't do it, but I have the power of the Holy Spirit in me. And that is what I cling to. And this also produces in us the ability to intercede for others and recognize and maybe even empathize with the needs um, and the limitations of those in our lives. So number three is providing us with a safe place to speak. There is something so powerful about sharing our stories and not just the stories that sound good, but the real stories, the challenging stories. When we share the reality of brokenness, whether done to us or self-imposed, we acknowledge the need for redemption and hope. And I see this so often in the counseling space. The stories of struggle and shame, abuse, suffering are endless. Yet it's here we also, in the naming of such things, find strength, clarity, validation, understanding, comfort, and grace. I find this aspect of therapy the most tangible expression of God's love for his children. Whether wounded or running away, naming our pain always allows us to experience God in a deeper way. God's heart is always for his child. It's always looking deeper than the do's and the don't do's and the defining failures. And within therapy, we experience this interaction through the counselor-client relationship. When we speak freely, shame is shattered and no longer has power. This is why James spoke about this, right? In James 5, it says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. If we confess our sins, 1 John says that he is faithful to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There's freedom in this to confess and be like, Hey, I'm broken and in need of grace and forgiveness. And we also see that in the naming of the valleys and fears of the pain done to us, we are brought to comfort and safety. God says he is near to the brokenhearted. And in Psalm 23, verse 4, it says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You know, 
Second Corinthians 1, 5 also talks about how when we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so through Christ we also share abundantly in comfort. And so this is what is illuminated in therapy. Our awareness of brokenness in the world around us and in our own hearts but also it provides us with a safe space to receive support, examine our actions and receive comfort in difficult times by engaging in confession and vulnerability in what has happened in our lives. We learn to boldly approach the throne of grace and acknowledge suffering and sin as part of our story that draws us to God and to glory. And finally, the last area that I think therapy really impacts us spiritually is this model of community, carrying each other's burdens, seeking wise counsel. One of my favorite things about the work that I do is doing life with my clients. Walking alongside so many young women, I have celebrated graduations and births and marriages. I've laughed, I've cried, I've prayed with my clients as we've navigated the complexities of their stories. We were never meant to carry the shattered storylines of life alone. And therapy provides an experience for letting others into your story to walk alongside you, provide wisdom, guidance, and connection. This is the commission of scripture, isn't it? Galatians 6 talks about pairing with one another's burdens. In Proverbs 24, it says, in abundance of counselors, there's victory. So as we develop a practice of seeking wisdom, and submitting to guidance, and opening ourselves up to community, It's essential part of our healing process, right? As we allow the Holy Spirit to form us through relationships and genuine connection with God and others, healing begins. So these four areas that we've talked about today are not exclusive, obviously. I could go on and on about the connections between therapy and how it forms us spiritually. But I hope that whether you've been to counseling and you've experienced this or you're just considering it for the first time, that these four areas of the therapy process will encourage you and invite you into a transformative relationship with Jesus. Jesus wants to meet us in our suffering. He wants to meet us in community and this vulnerability and movement from a place of self-sufficiency to need and healing relationships is so vital. And we're going to talk more about this in the fall. And I can't wait for the coming months as we jump into some great interviews and learn and glean from other people. So Um, I pray that we continue to meet with God through solitude, through prayer, through confession and lament, and in community. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Therapy and Theology. If you have a question or topic you would like discussed on a future episode, please feel free to email me or drop it in the comments. Also, don't forget to subscribe to have each week's episode instantly downloaded to your podcasts and see the show notes for resources mentioned in this episode. To access more content and join my monthly email list for the latest updates and info, visit my website at carlymarkboyer.com. Hey friends, Nicole Eunice here from the How to Study the Bible podcast. I want to invite you to experience a fresh look at the story of Joseph and what it means for you today. Life can totally throw us for a loop, whether it's your family or your marriage, work, church, or something else entirely. Maybe you have found yourself in a season that you never would have expected and that you certainly wouldn't have signed up for. In this six-week Bible study together, we're going to talk about the biblical story of Joseph, a man who lived an unexpected life 
and trusted God through it all. We'll talk about the blessings he experienced, the promises God keeps, the way that tests of our character can actually refine our faith. We'll talk about patience. We'll talk about loss. Absolutely talk about redemption. So come join us for the six-week series over on the How to Study the Bible podcast. Can't wait to dive in with you.